If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It builds character, my dad said. It's one more thing. Armstrong and Getty. One more thing. To introduce that to my kids, especially now that my son just turned 13. That was my dad's go-to line for anything I ever talked about or complained about, especially at my job. It builds character. And he was actually oh, yeah. right. That's a fatherhood classic. My God, yeah. you've got to employ that. Um, so a couple of work-related things before we get to the big strikes going on in France, because they, uh, they feel like they ought to get to have a month or more vacation every single year. Then retired age 62 and, you know, have a villa by the sea. Uh, in the United States, when uh, Joe and I, who are uh, Gen Xers, were younger, lots of people worked. And it was very common to work. And nobody thought twice about it. Somehow over the years, I missed out on this because I didn't have kids. Maybe you can speak to this. I didn't have kids all those years. When did they decide that kids shouldn't work? And now, like... Lots and lots of kids don't work at all until they're 18. And I just came across this stat. 55% of 18-year-olds have had a job. Hmm. Okay. Um, I had had quite a few jobs, different kinds of jobs by the time I was 18. And uh, so did most of my friends. Um, And Tim Sandifer tweeted out, this is around... The idea that in Arkansas, Sarah Huckabee, the new governor, is loosening what they're calling child labor laws. But I don't know if you want to call a 16-year-old getting a job a child. But that's the pushback against it. Oh, so we're going to go back to kids smoking cigarettes in the coal mines at age eight. Yeah, that's what we're going to go back to. (laughs) I don't think you're supposed to smoke in the coal mine. That's dangerous. (laughs) Or whatever. But um, Tim Sandifer tweeted out, not only should young people enter the workforce before the age 18 for their own sake, but also for the sake of society. The most dangerous thing on this planet are unemployed young men. It's funny, I was having that conversation with my son the other day as he decided not to participate in a extracurricular activity I was hoping he would do. and that You got to do something. 
I said, uh, just just my personal experience, the kids that weren't doing a sport or been banned or any of those things at all were in trouble. They just all were. Um, And I was always busy with a sport or band or something like that, and it kept me out of a lot of trouble. I know it did. Anyway, um, having a job is one of those things. I was working a lot, too. If I wasn't uh, in a sport or in a band, I was mowing lawns, and then I was working in the feedlots. So I, uh, and I also, I've told this story before, I got a niece that um, I don't see very often, but I saw her one year, I don't forget how old she was, 16, maybe something like that. Then she got her job working at a restaurant, and I saw her the next year. It's like she had matured 10 years in that hmm. year of having a, a job with a boss and customers and all that sort of stuff. It was amazing what it did for her. I'll bet it did, yeah. I think that does that for lots of people. You were a longshoreman at the age of 11. I was, yeah. Yeah, I would lean out over the ships. I would hang on to the big hook and, and with my feet, <laughs> reach down, hanging there like a monkey, and try to grasp the cables that were <laughs> right, frequently cut through my hands. And uh, No, actually, I, uh, full disclosure, I lied about my age when I was 11. I was a fairly big 11-year-old. Um, uh, I lied about my age and got my first job caddying at a local golf club at age 11. Because... And, the horrible, horrible world forced you to, as a child, grind your body down to a nub. And my parents feed, feed me if I didn't. To yeah, feed exactly. the capitalist machine. No, I wanted the money. <laughs> That's why I, I, I couldn't have been more enthusiastic. They will pay me? Yes! Yeah, I remember being that way. when I, I started working at feedlots when I was 14, I think, and I remember... For a long time, you know, talking to my dad about it, he was going to talk to some of his friends if they had any openings, and he'd come home from work. Did you talk to anybody today? No, I didn't see anybody today, but I hope for them. Did you see anybody today? I couldn't wait to get a freaking job because there were things yeah. I wanted to buy. Yeah. Which is mm-hmm. the best reason to have a job, to get money so you can buy things. Anyway, they've made it very difficult. So there are lots of laws in place now that keep you from working various places. And then if there isn't laws, there's a liability that keeps so many young people from, you know, mowing lawns or doing that sort of stuff. It's really maddening. It is. Indeed. Yep. I hate it. So over there in France, I don't know if you were following this yesterday, another round of strikes from people who are very angry that the government is going to, and it looks like it's on track to happen. I mean, nobody's stopping it. Uh, They're going to raise the retirement age from 62 to 64. Macron actually ran on that. You know, whether he got elected on that, I don't know, because he got elected and then the pushback on this has been huge. Yesterday, there were so many strikes. Most of your schools couldn't operate because of teachers and kids. Flights weren't leaving the big airport there in Paris. Businesses shut all down. Um, uh, Kids couldn't get to their jobs smoking cigarettes in the coal mines. Operation Escargot was in place, which I just learned about this yesterday. Escargot being snail. People drive at a snail's pace on the freeways in cities to, to to just grind everything to a halt. It's called Operation Escargot. I guess it's a tactic they use when they strike. That's called L.A. most of the day. It's called a certain sort of driver. Well, that too. Who you hate. Anyway, so I came across this New York Times story today I thought was interesting. Fight over retirement in France is a question of identity. Resistance to the government's plan to push back the retirement age is not just about working longer. It springs from a deep sense of what defines France as a nation. And then they give an example. Monday is line dancing. Tuesday, scrapbooking with friends. Wednesday, caring for her two, two grandchildren. Martine Mervelle's itinerary is an advertisement for retirement in France. 
After decades of working, much of it as a secretary, she packed up her desk for the last time, bought an apartment in this seaside town in Normandy where her daughter lives and started the coveted next stage of her life. I wake up every morning and say how lucky I am to be here, she says. She's 67 during a break from her Thursday morning gym class. Then she used a favored French expression that has been echoing across the country in protests this year. This is the time to enjoy your life. So I guess that's just a, a thing. The, the, the thing they all look forward to is the, the, the age of 62 when you get to do whatever the frig you want because they have such a generous social security system that no matter what kind of job you had or how much you saved, you can live a pretty decent life of enjoyment. Well, and, and 62 seems old until you get close to it. Then it doesn't seem that old. No, at all. Plus... I mean, we have Social Security, but as we all know, living on Social Security alone is not, you know, not seaside resort doing different fun things every day. I'd say not. It's poverty stricken. But in France, it mostly is. No matter what you did, you get to retire at age 62 and live a pretty good life. And that, again, is having worked a job where you get a month off for vacation every year or more, depending Mm -hmm. on what you're doing. They just have way more of a what uh, a lot of people call work-life balance and what I call an unsustainable unicorn version of capitalism because nobody yet has invented a way to make it pencil out. I love the idea. Well, it pencils out as long as you have vast numbers of young workers supporting a limited number of retirees. As those numbers uh, get closer and closer and closer and then flip, you're doomed. It's just mathematics. I was a stupid college kid, like most college kids are, and I believed my college professors who were only telling me half the story about how ridiculous it was in the United States that we all... We, we work all year long and hope for a week's vacation, and then sometimes we have to work to our 70s and blah, blah, blah. And in France, you get a month off minimum, and everybody retires at 62. And without, you know, the college professors never pointing out that that doesn't pencil out, as they're finding out in France right now. Even freaking mm-hmm. Macron is saying, look, we can't do this anymore. And every time I hear this story, they either don't mention at all the fact that it doesn't pencil out, or they put it in the last sentence of the story. Oh, by the way, the reason they're moving the age up is because they've run out of money for all the people being on vacation and retiring so early. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. You know what it reminds me of a little bit is, um, you know, like the Biden administration's ridiculous claims that he's created more jobs than any president in American history because the government shut down so many millions of businesses during COVID, then allowed them to open up again. All of a sudden, those jobs came back. I think there is a real lack of appreciation. I bring this up semi-regularly. I think there's a real lack of appreciation for what a black swan event World War II was and then the aftermath of World War II, where you had Europe leveled, much of Asia leveled and pre-industrial anyway for a lot of it. The United States practically unscathed. We lost a lot of men. But there we sat astride the industrial world, manufacturing everything, selling everything, exporting everything. You could you could fog a mirror and have a, a great career without any particular skills or education at uh, Ford or General Motors or whatever. And that was, historically speaking, a black swan event. And, and that post-WW2 baby boomer time will never be seen again. And nobody says that out. No politician says that out loud. That whole, let's go back to, you know, whether whether you want to call it Make America Great or whatever it is, to look back at that era. And we need to recreate that. No, you can't recreate that. That was an anomaly. Well, 
well, nuke Europe and, and Japan. That's where you'd have to start, and, and probably most of China at this point. So what's your ultimate point with that? I don't have a point. No, so the, uh, the France sucks thing. and then you marry one or something like that. I don't know. What? what? <laughs> no, the, uh, the France thing is very much uh, uh, the now, uh, now in France, in a few years in the United States, hangover uh, that you get from acting as if the post-WW2 era could continue on indefinitely. It can't. The numbers have changed completely. And it's just it's a measure of how dopey and selfish all politics are that uh, politicians can't say, hey, we used to have lots of young people for every old people. Now they're about 50 50. We can't afford these benefits anymore. We got to switch them around somehow. We'll try to make it as painless as possible for you old folks. But that's the situation we're in. The idea I mean, that, the fact that nobody's willing to be even that honest is just it's disgusting. Yeah, it's possible they're going to find out in France, and we're going to find out here the idea, especially with modern health care and everybody lives to be 80, the idea that you get to quit working when you're in your early 60s just ain't going to be true. I mean, I don't want that. I, I love the idea of quitting working, and I mean, I'm there, yeah. but uh, maybe it just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, case by case, obviously. You know, well, it's, sure. I'm rem- uh, reminded of... Um, I've got a couple of great, well-written, very complete articles from various perspectives about the coming budget battles, because both sides are realizing, okay, this level of accumulating debt is utterly unsustainable. We can't do it anymore. Uh, Thank God. Um, But when it comes time during the radio show to, like, deal with this stuff and talk about it, I don't have the energy. It's dry. It's depressing. It's like nobody's going to come to an agreement. Uh, I don't even have the heart to dive into it. And that's bad. <laughs> one one quick question before we wrap this up. You're a, you're a fan of the Germans, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, <laughs> Wait, no, huh? I don't. What are you what are you hinting at there? Then you studied German and I did German language, culture, et cetera, history. Yeah. Yeah. You buy the uniforms off eBay and that sort of thing. <laughs> what? No? what now? Huh? Um. No, but so France and Germany are side by side, as we all know. And why is France? Why is Germany far and away the most the biggest economy and the most productive work like crazy. One of the reasons they were able to launch three world wars in 75 years is because they were so incredibly, you know, an, an economic powerhouse, but why mm-hmm. right next door is the culture so different that they want to lay around and, and smoke their baguettes or whatever they do. <laughs> A bunch of baguettes, smoke comb their armpit um, hair. Um, well, putting aside your, your awful bigotry. Um, <laughs> that is a an absolutely fascinating question, uh, which I am unqualified to answer. The differences between German culture and French culture in virtually every aspect of how you live your life is um, are amazing. You know, just the just the attitudes about life, what life means, uh, what's the greatest reward of life, uh, how hard do you work, how much do you work, what are your priorities? They're very, very different. Is this a southern-northern thing, kind of, sort of, maybe partly? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Never mind Portugal. Don't get me started about Portugal. I'm talking to you, the 13-year-old boy. Stop the PlayStation 5, get outside, get on a ladder, and fix my roof. There you go. You'll get used to the smell of tar. I think it's a good <laughs> idea to have small children up on your roof. Well, <laughs> I guess that's it. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.